Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I'm really pleased to be here today and uh, actually to speak about um, what uh, UNESCO and UN Women are currently doing in Umal Jamal, because I think that Umal Jamal is actually an extraordinary, extraordinary example of, uh, of, um, of synergies and actions towards tourism development for the, for, for opportunities for the local communities, for socioeconomic development opportunities for the local communities. Now, the, pro, uh, the purpose of this presentation specifically is um, to illustrate you all um, what UNESCO and UN Women are implementing in Umal Jamal uh, for um, the development of the site uh, into a marketable uh, tourism destination that can be appealing to uh, tourism uh, tourists uh, uh, in Jordan, and uh, and uh, specifically how UNESCO and UN Women are trying to develop these um, uh, uh, develop tourism in Umal Jamal by by working with the local communities, hence uh, capitalizing on the capi on the human capital in uh, Umal Jamal. Now, where does it all come from? On the one hand, in Umal Jamal, we have needs. On the other hand, we have opportunities. The needs are human. Umal Jamal is located in Mafraq Governorate. And we know that Mafraq Governorate is the harshest poverty pocket in, uh, in Jordan, with about 32% poverty rate, and the lowest uh, human development index and gender development index. We also know that poverty, as it often happens, it's striking the most on women. Women are the most vulnerable sector of, of the community. They are affected by highest unemployment rates and uh, by stereotypes that confine them to the family dimension. They, don't, they have limited ac access to uh, participation in uh, the economic life of the community. Now, Mafrak, on top of all this, is also one of the areas that is mostly targeted by the Syrian crisis. Of the 630,000 Syrian refugees officially registered uh, through UNHCR, 80% um, is in the north. And only in 80,000 are only in Zatari camp, which is 20 kilometers um, southeast of, uh, of Umal Jamal. Plenty of them outside the camp are disseminated in the host communities, and Umal Jamal is one of these host communities. So on this side, we have these needs. On the other side, we have the opportunities. We have Umal Jamal. Umal Jamal is uh, a unique, tremendous archaeological site, as uh, most of you will have seen uh, on Sunday during the visit. It has a broad chronological span. It has um, broad architectural vari variety. We have from religious to private to defensive structures, so there's a lot to, sh to display. It's a large site, mean meaning that it can attract people to stay over for at least a couple of hours or more, at least a couple of hours. Um, and uh, it's authentic, and it's, uh, and it's characterized by integrity. It's authentic. There's not been major invasive works uh, affecting the, the, the actual original uh, archaeological remains. Um, so it's embedded with a variety of uh, values and elements that characterize it and make it outstanding for, in terms of cultural significance. On top of this, um, Umal Jamal is inscribed in the tentative list of World Heritage Sites. And as much as that can be debatable, and there's a lot of discussion going on nowadays on 
the added value of the World Heritage List. Um, that the, the World Heritage List, the UNESCO World Heritage List, has, um, let's say, at least two, opens at least two enormous areas of potential. One is uh, management, conservation, and presentation in line with the outstanding universal values of a site. And the other is branding. And we know branding a site is, is uh, uh, the highway to bringing more people uh, visiting it. So it's linking these needs and these opportunities that the UNESCO UN Women uh, Joint Program comes in um, uh, with the purpose of empowering rural women in Umaljimal um, by uh, allowing them to develop tourism-related services uh, to be offered on site, then to support tourists uh, coming in the future to the site, uh, and then, hence, um, to gain, to get income-generating opportunities from these tourism services. It means, um, let's say, creating services that support and enhance the site, and that, at the same time, support and enhance the income opportunities for the local community. Now, Tourism is, um, despite all the economic challenges all around the world, tourism is one of the few industries that still keeps on going. And this is uh, widely communicated by the um, WTO uh, reports every year. Now, Jordan has, been, has had some impact, quite some harsh impact on tourism, particularly since uh, Arab Spring in 2011. Um, still, the number of visitors in 2014 was above 5 million people. These data are all from the Ministry of Tourism, so number more, uh, number less, they should, uh, they should match. Um, with just minus 1.2% uh, as compared to the previous year, as compared to 2013. And of these 5 million, 70% about were foreigners, 30% were locals. Now, if we look at, uh, tourism receipts for 2014, they, ca they go up. If the number of people is coming down, the receipts are going up, plus 6.3%. And if we calculate estimates and uh, the average expenditure per capita, that is uh, uh, how much each person coming to Jordan has been spending during 2014, we have uh, approximately 600 JD per person. Um, so this is the large potential market that we have in front of us. Now, specifically for in the north of Jordan, um, let's look at what's the actual potential market of Umal Jimal, because of course, one thing is looking at the broad picture, one thing is looking at the people who are actually going to the north, who have interests in things that go slightly out of the standard packages of uh, uh, of uh, tour operators in the country. Now, if we calculate altogether the number of visitors going to the main sites in the north of Jordan, and I speak about uh, Jerash, Ajloun, Umkais, the desert castles, Petra, and Umm al-Jamal, we have approximately um, 700,000 people. Um, indeed, decreasing number uh, as compared to the previous year. It's interesting to notice that now, in the north of Jordan, it's made the, the, the share between foreigners and locals is almost 50-50. Uh, 
We have 50% locals, we have 50% foreigners. Um, this means, uh, still, if we calculate uh, based on these numbers and we consider the average expenditure per capita, we, think, we, we notice, we can estimate that we have in front of us a potential market of about 380 million uh, JDs as a potential market of, uh, for, 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 for the site, for the, for, for the tourism promotion of sites in the north and particularly of Umaljimal. Now, specifically for Umaljimal, number of visitors are much going up as compared to 2011 and 2012. Um, and now we have about 3,000 uh, tourists. Of these, most of them are locals, about 70%, and 30% are foreigners. Still, if we look at how many people are going to Umal Jimal as compared to how many people are going to the north of Jordan, we see that, the, let's say, the market share of Umal Jimal is really minimal. It's 0.5%. So we are much under what we, we could actually tackle with uh, tourism development, uh, with, with the potential market to the north of Jordan. Now, this, all this market analysis is just to say uh, the market is there, and uh, therefore matching needs and opportunities and creating tourism services for tourism development in the north has some strategic uh, rationale and uh, some strategic justification. Now, the point is that as much as, well, for me as an archaeologist, every single stone on earth, the most remote, the best, uh, is interesting. Um, these people, they need more. They need a product that, that is uh, palatable, that is uh, interesting, that is appealing, that justifies them going all the way up and spending money to visit these sites. So if we quote, well, normally in marketing they speak about the marketing mix. I've adapted the idea to our specific case of heritage sites. And I like to call it the heritage mix. We need to develop a product that combines together the conservation of the sites, the presentation of the sites, the services available on sites, and the promotion of the sites. Now, specifically for the case of Umal Jimal, and this is why I think uh, Umal Jimal is an extraordinary example, um, there are many synergies from different actors, national and international, working together to develop this heritage mix. And starting from the nationals, the Department of Antiquities, uh, the Ministry of Tourism and Antiquities, and then going to the internationals or mid-international nationals, the Umaljimal project, which I think is very much the vector of all, what's, well, all what is moving around in Umaljimal. Um, and then we have um, the, the, the SHEP project um, and the municipality of Umaljimal. And I hope I haven't forgotten uh, uh, anybody. Um, now, in all this pattern of stakeholders, there's also UNESCO and UN Women. And what we focus specifically is the creation of the services and the promotion of the site. The, the joint program that, uh, that UNESCO and UN Women are implementing uh, in Umal Jimal started in uh, 2014. Well, it was signed in 2013, but it started actually in 2014. And will continue um, until 2016. Um, it was articulated, it is articulated in two phases. Uh, phase one, which uh, was implemented between 2014 and um, 
early 2015, and then the second phase, which is actually starting, which just recently started, and we are moving on to operational uh, operations. Now, uh, in terms of tourism services, this project is uh, aiming at creating the three basic services that normally uh, studies on heritage management uh, prove as the substantial fundamental services which need to be available on site. Um, hospitality services, information and educational services, and uh, local souvenirs and handicrafts production. During the first phase, we actually worked mainly on handicrafts production because that was the pilot, the pilot action that we wanted to undertake. Um, what did we do in this, in this first phase? Um, we, first of all, we developed an analysis of the market on what type of handicrafts do you need to develop on site? What type of handicrafts embed the cultural significance of the site and hence have a competitive advantage over other handicraft products all around the country? So market analysis, first of all, and the outcome was try to keep, to have products which are linked to the local elements, local cultural elements of, um, of the area. And uh, one particular product that emerged as uh, strategic was the production of basalt handicrafts, um, because basalt, as we know, is the typical stone of the Horani Plateau, and uh, because Umaljimal is, directly, is entirely built in basalt. We are not using the stones from Umaljimal. Just <laughs> and then uh, market analysis first, and then we, work, we uh, worked on an assessment of the capacities and the needs and the interests of the beneficiaries. We identified one local association initially, but we are trying to expand and move on to other uh, local associations. One local association of women, uh, about 40 members, and uh, we undertook an assessment of what can, you actually, what can you do in terms of handicrafts production? What are your interests? What are your objectives? And what are your needs? And then we moved on with the training activities in handicrafts production, particularly uh, most of them around 50 uh, training sessions in basalt carving uh, and basalt objects production. We implemented the trainings in marketing and business management because, of course, you go for production, but you need to learn how to market and sell uh, the objects. And then, as well, uh, we worked uh, with, uh, we, we developed trainings and we implemented around uh, uh, 15 trainings in lead leadership and organizational management. Because often, oftentimes, um, not only you need the business management skills, you need the leadership skills to actually run a business. And this was something that uh, proved particularly useful afterwards, at the end of, uh, as a conclusion of the first phase. Uh, at the same time, we worked in terms of uh, awareness raising. Awareness raising in terms of cultural heritage. What is the value, still working with, uh, with this group of beneficiaries of about 40 women from uh, the local association. What is, the, um, what is our cultural heritage? What is Umal Jimal? What is, what is the value? Why, why does it matter for me, for my family? And then awareness raising sessions on women rights. Um, can I do all this? Uh, oftentimes, as I was mentioning at the beginning, um, the, 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 the notion of women is quite much biased, uh, particularly in those areas, by stereotypes. A woman belongs to the family, belongs to the reproductive function, and that's it. But there's more, and 
we've started questioning that role and opening up for discussion uh, because that's the only way that you can actually make a business sustainable, to change the mindset together with uh, the actual business opportunity. Now, after one year, one year and a half of action there, what's, what's, in, our, what's in our hands? What are the results that we have? We have uh, a group of 15 to 20 women who have been provided with um, the foundations of handicrafts production, and particularly basalt carving so far. And we have a pilot range of uh, handicrafts products in place. Uh, we mainly focus on bowls, but at the same time we have some pendants, uh, small jewelry items, uh, uh, some plates, uh, all in basalt, all made by the women. Um, we have an increased uh, uh, women and community awareness on the importance of the site. As uh, Bert was saying a couple of days ago during his presentation, because actually the whole awareness of uh, uh, awareness raising and heritage education action that was undertaken much by the Umal Jimal project and uh, by Bert and by Open Hand Studios. Um, in the end, we had women who went to Bert and said, I've been there, I had been there before, but now I'm, I'm starting to understand. So an increased awareness. And then increased awareness of the women in terms of the right, their right to participate in the social and economic dimension, op, uh, open social and economic dimension of the community, not only to the, in the family sphere. Now, these are the results. And of course, there's lots of challenges and lots of lessons learned. Um, I would say mainly two uh, major challenges, motivation, commitment, leadership, well, first of all, motivation and commitment. Motivation and commitment. We speak oftentimes as archaeologists about engaging local communities. But between, between uh, saying it and actually doing it, there is an abyss. And um, so motivation needs to be nurtured all the time, all the time, um, with, uh, with uh, continuous action, with results, with uh, uh, continuous engagement, engagement of the people who are engaged in the project, not letting them uh, dropping out uh, just by, by, uh, other, because of other priorities or other actions that they need to undertake. And so this is one of the challenges. Motivation and commitment, keep them up. And then leadership. Um, uh, the importance of a leader in these communities emerges as something extremely important. We know that leadership is important. That's what they teach you at any possible business management, whatever management kind of uh, intervention. But, um, um, but in these communities, which are particularly hierarchical in structure, um, leadership is all the more important. And that's through leaders that you need to go to actually guarantee sustainability of uh, the action. And then other challenges, women stereotypes die hard. Because, um, because yes, after one year and a half together, still there's a, a lot to work on in terms of changing the mindset and getting women to be not only women, mothers, wives, and, um, and uh, daughters, sisters, but to be themselves and to be actors in their community. And then what do we expect for the next phase? Now, as I said, we are starting right now and uh, we'll move on until the end of 2016. We'll expand on the tourism services, still community-based and women-led. Uh, tourism services, if we had the handicrafts production first, 
we'll move on to hospitality services and to information and educational services to make those ones available on site, particularly information and educational services. Um, we will tackle, since we have a lot of local tourists, we will try to tackle local tourism and particularly school tourism uh, to facilitate uh, youth engagement in heritage uh, awareness and in heritage preservation because that's the only way that you can guarantee sustainable preservation of archaeological heritage. And then, um, and then I see that my time is running out. Uh, in terms of activities for the next phase, we will work all the more in uh, promotion of the site. In the, previous in the previous phase, in phase one, uh, as I was saying, uh, we are working on tourism services, we are working on promotion of the site. During the pilot first phase, 2014-2015, we mainly worked on um, dissemination of the importance of Umal Jimal through, uh, through the media and through lectures, visits, uh, tour, tour visits, uh, workshops, particularly engaging also the tour operators to get their insight on how do we need to develop and promote Umal Jimal to be actually marketable. Now, in the next phase, we will intensify all this and work towards the establishment of a communication and marketing plan for the site and uh, materials and events, again, communication, marketing and materials. And we will, uh, uh, the, the idea is to work as much as possible on mainstreaming the site as part of the standard packages uh, of uh, tour operators to the north. Because that's the thing, if we don't manage to get the site uh, into the standard, uh, uh, standard packaging, it's difficult to guarantee sustainability on the longer term. And in connection to what Ignacio was saying before on Halabat, indeed, the more we manage to think also, and this is not part of this project, but it's part of a larger strategy, the more we think about clusters of sites and packages of uh, uh, cultural heritage sites to visit in the north, the more, the even more sustainable we can, uh, we can, um, uh, the, the action can be, because that will, the, 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 the network of cultural sites will guarantee or will be, will be more appealing to tourists uh, visiting the north. Thank you very much, Angela, for this, this really comprehensive overview. Um, and we have time for two or three questions. I would only ask you uh, one question. Do you really think that basalt objects are a good thing to, uh, to sell to tourists? Every foreigner coming to Jordan has to fly in by aircraft, and he, ha he may take with him not more than 25 to 30 kilograms. And it makes if sense. you consider <laughs> the weight of even a small basalt object, I yeah. think the market is really limited. Definitely. That is actually something that the, at the beginning, when we made the whole market analysis, that was the, one of the first points that we raised, like, is it going to work? But the point is, um, basalt objects uh, can have a double, uh, a double market. One is the tourists, the international tourists coming in, and one is the local tourists. And accordingly, you diversify the type of production in small, easy to carry and light, well, lighter objects like pendants, like jewelry. And you have larger objects, which can be uh, like the balls, like the um, small plates, which will target the local market. As we see, 50-50% locals, 50 locals, 50 internationals. 
I know someone in this room who wants basalt flower pots and has already bought some. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> um, the, the, the problem is accommodation. And I've, I take a lot of tour groups and we would go far more to the north of uh, Jordan if there were somewhere viable to stay. Tour groups tend to be for older people and they want their creature comforts. Is there any thought in Um al Jamal for developing a really nice, it doesn't have to be grand, it just has to be clean, simple and comfortable, but to develop um, a place where people could stay, it would be a huge benefit to all tourism in Northern Jordan. You can't do day trips to every site in Northern Jordan. Definitely. Uh, absolutely agree. Um, right now and under this specific project, uh, uh, the development of a bed and breakfast or an accommodation is not included, just because the budget of this project is not allowing it. But it is uh, one of the um, actions planned within the broader uh, strategic uh, planning and programming that I was mentioning before, that is uh, working on network clusters of sites to the north to the north and in that case you create one two key accommodation places along the route and uh, and yes you allow doing the whole loop of uh, uh, sites in the north instead of just doing day trips because no it's not sustainable to just do day trips uh, i know that now in times of crisis it will be very difficult to convince any uh, entrepreneur to, to build a, a hotel there. The, I think that is, the idea would be to make the best of the resources we have. We have got a wonderful and infra-used uh, lodge in Atrak. If we design yeah, itineraries awesome. so that the people will sleep there, we can cover even up to Deir uh, al-Kaf, Umal Jimal, the desert castles, and to have, uh, uh, let's say, an experience that they will stay at least one or two nights there, re too far east. Well, you know, but it's, it maybe it's a matter of, of designing uh, the, the itinerary so that you can start with the uh, areas closer to Amman, the desert castles, uh, uh, Amra, uh, Harane, Amra, uh, Halabat. Then you, you sleep there and, the, and the, uh, sleep in Asrak. Then the following morning you can uh, see Asrak, uh, Deir al-Kaf, uh, Umal Jamal, and you back to Jordan, uh, to, to Actually, Amman. Actually, yeah. This could be one, one, one choice. I, I, I try to, let's say, to optimize what we have got. We have to be realistic and, and to dream, but to, be, to know what we have in hand and to get the best of what already exists. I I've done this with my, my students, approach. and I've done it with my students, and it works really well with what Ignacio was saying. Uh, one more question. Thank you for uh, lecture. Uh, my, my idea, my question is, uh, do you think uh, sharing, the idea, sharing the idea of uh, Society women with similar women in uh, Jordan, like Iraq Al Amin, uh, Iraq Al Amir society, sharing their idea between them. Uh, do you think increase their uh, products, they increase the uh, as a part of uh, marketing? I think you mean as a plan or or as something because actually we. Yes. We've already had uh, meetings with, uh, particularly with the Cooperative of Women in Iraq Al-Amir, because I think that's quite an interesting example. The purpose of that, um, of that meeting, in particular between our women and uh, the women of Iraq Al-Amir, for me was more trying to get mindset, mindsets moving. Because one thing is to see a cooperative actually running, the challenges, the 
the, the, the history of the cooperative from the beginning to the, to the development and the daily challenges and the mindsets that are behind the running of this cooperative. And one thing is to see the cooperative that, I'm, that we are working with right now in Umal Jimal. There are two different things. So for me it was, a, let's, let's say, a behavioral, uh, um, behavioral change kind of activity. In the future, I think in terms also of products development, that can be a reference point to see how they develop the products, how uh, they design and uh, according to the need and to the demand of the market. That can uh, further be developed in the future. Yeah. <laughs>